0: Welcome aboard the Battleship Retention. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How
1: you doing? I, um, there is a story in the news this week. Okay. That you, you ask how I'm doing. I'm not sure. Oh, all right. Cause it's a story that, um, I feel bad for how, uh, much I am addicted to reading about this or was, you know, I, I think I've read all of it at this time. Um, is
0: there some schadenfreude
1: going on here? Well, you tell me what okay. this is. Okay. Um, the listeners probably know about this. Uh, I was su- surprised to find you didn't know all the details. But there's a comedian slash actor named Steve easy Okay, and uh, he's on the League on FX. Okay, he Had a uh, Comedy uh, Central special just okay. this week. And he was until recently the uh, television television spokesman for Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh, okay, um, and. I knew of him from the league. I thought I've watched the league regularly, but I knew of him, but it was back shortly after the league started, probably 2009, 2010, when I first heard him him on Mark Maron's podcast and heard a really fascinating story about when he decided to do, to follow comedy as a dream, something that he had wanted to do for a long time. He was working as an accounts manager for Merrill Lynch. Um, and he was in, um, he was in whichever one is the second tower on, September 11th, 2001. Okay. He was working there when the plane hit the first tower, he went downstairs onto the street, um, to, and, you know, avoided dying in the second tower. Except as we found out this week, none of that's true. Oh boy. He has been for at least since 2009, if not longer, Telling this incredibly detailed story yeah. on Mark Marin's podcast, on Squar Brothers podcast, on a Polly Shore podcast or something. All I'm right. not sure. Um, telling this story about uh, being in um, uh, being in the World Trade Center on that morning. Getting out, not knowing if his then girlfriend, now wife, had survived or not, because she had been in the area as well, and not knowing, you know, um, having a hard time, you know, first getting back to Brooklyn, wherever he lived, and then having to worry about, is this person alive? But none of it, it's not true. How did they find out it was not true? uh, The New York Times published a thing, uh, and i guess before they published it they confronted him with it they were like hey we found out this thing um doesn't seem to add up and then he uh i think he ended up um admitting it uh, about the same time the story went up um because like his lie was so like merrill lynch didn't even have offices at one World Trade Center or whatever. Uh, all right. Um Like, that was, like, I think the big way they found out yeah. uh, was that he said he was working for Merrill Lynch, um, which he never even did. He, like, did work for, like, a bank-type thing like that. Okay. In Midtown. Um. But anyway, how should I feel about this? Um, okay.
0: Well, let's see. Got a couple options. Okay. One is you can just say, like, that's despicable and ridiculous. It's despiculous. Yeah. Um, it's scummy. It's scummy. It's borrowing. It's trading on other people's tragedies. So yeah. you get sympathy. Yeah. Um, you know, so obviously that's all bad and he's getting what kind of what is coming to him as far as like, you know, stuff right. taken away from him and that sort of thing. Um, so that's one option. Another option could be just like. And I try to force myself to think this way uh, whenever I am taking joy in other people 's failure <laughs> um, that especially if they 've done something like that, you know um, failure is one thing, but like something like like this is a real self sabotaging kind of thing, yeah um, and that's just like okay, well, feeling kind of sorry for him, not because of what happened, but that he felt that his own life was not interesting enough to warrant any kind of sympathy or that he feels he has to lie to get people on his side. Right. Like thinking in terms of like, okay, that's, that's a, that's a particularly, that's somebody with not the best image of himself that he feels like the only possible way that people could sympathize with him is to, cash in on something they already sympathize with and um so i i'm choosing to let i'll choose to look at it that way and just say like in the movie
1: journal this week about how i believe in forgiveness sure and so i am struggling with like because i don't i'm not and it's not like I, i haven't like gotten on twitter and like torn Steven is easy a new asshole or right. like I'm sure plenty of people are doing that. Yeah. Um yeah, I haven't talked trash about him because I do want to forgive him. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, not that it's even my place. I don't, I'm not, I'm not really a wronged party here. Right. Um but you know what I mean. Um but apart from like I feel like I can um be compassionate mm-hmm. and want to believe that he has learned a lesson and that he is contrite and that, sure. yeah, and that this has changed him in some way and still find the story just fascinating. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, I mean, that's okay. Right. Cause that's, that's what I'm conflicted about. It's like, I'm enjoying reading about this or going back to his podcast and listening to him, tell the story oh, way boy. too much that I don't think I would be able to, to do um,
0: just because when you, when you're hearing somebody just say, a very in-depth lie and every single detail. And then hearing like Mark Maron, undoubtedly probably say like, wow, that's amazing. You know, and just being like, you know, there, there's, there's an anger there. It's weird how people will react when they are lied to, especially when it's a story that, that uh, affects them emotionally because it's just like, I feel like people are, are more willing to like, hurt somebody if they tricked them and then made them look the fool even if it's everybody right and there's nothing foolish about believing why on? why would somebody lie to you in this way um but yeah i don't think i i don't think i would uh, be able to bathe in uh in the craziness of it the way uh, the way you seem to be able to okay. i'm not condemning it because it is a fascinating thing yeah. um because in a way it's its own little human interest story and you just think like because it's like this is so detailed because the questions then are why did he feel the need to do this and also if he felt the need to do this why not do more research You know, there's, you can look into like find out any of the, any of the businesses that were located in that building and just say you worked for one of them. If you were lying anyway, like, I don't know. It's just,
1: yeah. They they talked about this on the best show as well this past week mm -hmm. and speculated that perhaps this, like, it wasn't that thought out. This is something he'd said once and then it kept catching on and he kept having to stick to it. Uh, that then that's probably more likely. I could see that being the case. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm really fascinated. Like I, uh, he still has like a couple weeks of shooting left on the last season of the league. Like, can you imagine going to work with people you've like worked with for seven years? No. And uh, they now know this, that you've been lying about this thing the whole time. I, I can't, I, I can't imagine. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to bring it up. Uh, I'd love to get the listener's opinion on how to feel about this. Yeah. um, I think like uh, a lot of his league co-stars haven't spoken of that much about it, but Casey Azel- Katie Azelton did say, "I think a really." Um, she pretty much said, "I feel uh, very sorry for my friend Steve, and I also feel very sorry for all the people he has hurt by doing this."
0: Yeah, that's the that. thing. It is possible to feel that like everything about this is just bad, yeah. you know. And the thing is, ultimately. You know, in in talking about forgiveness, like forgiveness doesn't mean that there will be no consequences to his actions, like losing a job and that sort of thing. Right. Sure. Sure. That's the way it goes. And you can take a certain degree of comfort in knowing like, okay, well, justice has been served, at least in some capacity. Right. Which is there is there are consequences to his actions. Um, And you can be comforted by that without like celebrating it. Yeah. Yeah. and then you can also forgive without saying without completely excusing the actions, yeah um,
1: um, I agree with what you're saying, but also i like we don't have time to get into an idea uh, a dis- discussion on the idea and topic of justice okay because um, I could we could talk about it all day it has nothing to do with sure, movies absolutely but i do I do have actually some conflicts about what you know what we mean when we talk about justice, like um, what is the is what is the point of taking something away from someone, be it like their freedom and incarcerating someone? You know, is it just punitive or are we doing, is we, are we trying to make them a better person? Or are we trying to make society a better place? I don't know. So I don't well, know that like, is, is anyone other than Buffalo wild wings better off for him not being their spokesperson? spokesperson and that's saying that they're wrong to get rid of them if like if that's going to if they believe it's going to hurt their uh, Uh, bottom line then they have a right as a as a uh, for-profit venture to to get rid of them but i just uh I, i always have this question of uh how we how we punish people and what it's actually trying to accomplish well and that's the thing
0: is like in this case uh i use the word justice but i think i'm more comfortable with just the natural consequences. Yeah. If you are the spokesperson for a business and now you are poison, that business okay. will say, "I don't want you around me." Yeah. So please leave. Yeah. Uh, you know that's the natural consequence of doing what he did. Yeah. And so, um, so it's like okay, so he is there. You know he's suffering the consequences. So there's a sen- there's at least a sense of. One could say, I guess, balance that he's not just doing this and then, oh, yeah, I was lying for uh, six years. Uh, Sorry. And I was like, no problem. Everything's fine. You get to continue doing everything you've done before. (laughs) You know, in the same way that, like, hey, I murdered somebody. I feel kind of bad about it. Well, all right. Just don't do it. Like, there needs (laughs) to be something. But in the case of like murder, well, what what consequences are there except possible emotional consequences and retribution on the part of the victim's family or something like that. So that's where the law needs to step in and say, all right, we are going to have this objective thing. Obviously it's not going to pay for what was lost. And obviously it might not completely, it might not, uh, uh, rehabilitate him. you know, but there needs to be something, there needs to be a difference in the world because <laughs> we have caught
1: this person doing a horrible thing right yeah you know um you should read you tyler and everyone at home uh should check out a book by jessica mitford called uh what's it called like is it called like cruel and usual punishment it's something like it's a basically it's a uh, sort of uh, like an expose or something expose slash long form uh, editorial, I guess it's an entire book about the U S prison system. And she suggests some pretty radical, like pretty fundamental changes to, uh, our prison system and what, like what we're actually seeking to accomplish. And, you know, uh, anyway, uh, I have, I have very strong opinions about, um, what things that are seen as like coddling prisoners. And, mm. it, uh, cause I tend to think that like the prison system should be less about, um, prisoners themselves and what they did and more about um, making this society as a whole better and if that means quote unquote coddling them to to in the in in the interest of rehabilitating them, then we I don't think we should waste time whining about how they don't deserve certain things uh, It's not about them, really
0: yeah it's such an interesting idea and boy are we are uh, i'm sure our sponsors are gonna love this um the uh i don't think we've said anything that controversial controversial yet i don't think so but i'm sure they're just like what the hell are they talking about before they get into movie you know like uh but it's um you know it, like we're getting into like concepts like what is punishment and what is the purpose of it.
1: Right. Yeah. It's it just as a
0: concept, a not even legal concept as a concept, except maybe as a possible deterrence. And, and for some people, if that's how they see punishment, then the worse the punishment is, the bigger the deterrent, Right. you know, it's like if somebody goes to prison and it's basically just kind of like a hotel, but they can't leave. Right well that doesn't seem like much of a deterrent if they go to prison and they are regularly raped and they are in a horrible situation where they're where like the light is not turned off and they are not able to sleep in the darkness like people would say. now don't get me wrong i think that's horrible but like people would say well if if punishment is purely a function of deterrence then the the worse the better you know yeah um i think obviously that just makes these people more monstrous so i feel yeah. like you know but for some people it's like i don't care if they're more monstrous we're punishing them
1: yeah and i don't think that's even if it works as a deterrent i don't think it's worth the uh the sort of grime on our national soul i think that yeah. you get from that it's sort of to an extreme example like i am very much against catcalling you know this is a this is a uh um uh, a topic that is uh, in a lot of people's minds in recent months, you know, the uh, the, the idea of street harassment—that a oh, woman yeah, yeah. can't just go about her day without being, uh, uh, you know, harassed or remarked upon—and um, I think if any time someone said a, a demeaning harassment, harassing thing to a woman on the street, if we took that person, strung them up from a light post and slit their belly open and pulled their entrails out, it would probably stop other people from doing it as much. Admittedly, yes, I think so. I don't think it's. I don't think that's a solution. I think there's something to be said is, for the sacredness of human life. Even this. if there's come back, it's a solution.
0: <laughs> I don't know if I'd say it's the solution.
1: Anyway, you have watch watching um, Hannibal too much. Uh, that is yeah, directly a Hannibal, uh, uh, reference, not the light post, but you know, uh, that sort of thing. Entrails and, and such.
0: Entrails don't get. Such. You don't get to see
1: <laughs> what's such a wonderful story. They just sell tripe. um, <laughs> Okay. um, What sort of buffer should we put between this and our uh, sponsors? Anything? Okay. A few. A few. Okay.
0: First off, special thank you to West Anthony for being on the show last week. It was a great episode. Lots of fun. Really enjoyed it. Um, I wanted to also say a couple of things. Number one, I am going to be uh, visiting my family in Denver from October first through the sixth, and if we have like, I'm going to say two or more listeners that would be at all interested in like having some kind of meetup which frankly i'm just going to go ahead and say is going to be at denny's or something like that because i i don't have the energy to like find some hip place you're just gonna have to go where i go all right that's how it works so if you want to go to denny's with me and you live in denver email me tyler battleship com sometime in the next few days because if it's only if it's only like one person uh then i probably won't do anything about it but like two or three that's fun okay i've done th- that before i still
1: think denny's is a weird choice
0: or whatever like i'll find something like uh hey a buffalo wildlings
1: yeah well that's, <laughs> honestly a place that has beer would like oh is a that's little bit true, more yeah. conducive you know that's even if it's true. a chain if there's a ruby tuesdays sure absolutely um <laughs> cheddars um I'm trying to think a chains that i don't think exist anymore you, yeah was, um ro- rock bottom Oh, I've never a, heard of a, that one. Uh, I don't know if it still exists. Um, yeah. Okay. So maybe not a Denny's, but just
0: like, like it's probably what? not going to be like a super hip bar or something yeah. like that.
1: No, like a Hooters. Where's the Hooters? Like tell, email Tyler with your, your neighborhood Hooters, your favorite Hooters or tilted kilt. um, <laughs> and uh, that's where the meetup will be. What are all these places you know? This you know what a Hooters is, I right? I know what that is, but what's a Tilted 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 kill is Hooters, except it's like they're in, like it's uh, the, the, the waiters are wearing a skimpy plaid skirts because it's got like a Scottish theme. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, Both cases, restaurants that are not about the food. <laughs> that's true, yes. Although people are like,
0: oh, but I love the wings at Hooters. Like, yeah, I, no. yes, I'm sure that's why you're going there.
1: And they're also not good. I, have you ever been in a Hooters? Um, I have been in two Hooters. Okay, um, yeah, the one at, by Hollywood and Highland was my first time. When I first moved to Los Angeles, I went there uh, with my uh, ex girlfriend and our friend Frank Wrath McGrath. Yeah, uh, I was like, I'll never go here again, um, and I didn't never go to that one. But one time <laughs> during Comic Con, okay, my now wife and I, we like it was. The Hooters was by the hotel and we needed to get some food before okay. we hit the convention center. We were like getting a late star. We need to get like a, an early lunch, late breakfast. And we sat on the patio. we were like, this is this will distance us from the Hootersness. Yeah. Uh, so we sat on the patio outside of Hooters. There you and go. had like towels. so that everyone could see you at Hooters. <laughs> that was the idea. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, twice in my life
0: I've been into a Hooters. I went to one uh, to uh, I was working at so I was on my uh, high school newspaper staff and we had to sell, sell like ads to local uh, establishments. And so we split up into teams of three and then just went to various places. And so we went into the Hooters cause it was a restaurant and they were, and that particular one was known for like sponsoring stuff locally. And so it's like, man, let's give it a try. And we walked it in Well, we walked in, we didn't sit down or eat anything. Uh, and then like, you know, a woman walked up with a, uh, you know David, I gotta say her breasts were pretty big um and and I just looked around and she was talking to me, and I was just like so so much of this is uncomfortable to me. I'm not even gonna give the pitch like we're leaving right it's you know like no offense to to her or anything like that, and it's not like being around it was just the 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 environment like everything about it is hey uh you know this uh, instinct of yours that you probably you know i'm what 17 right it's just like you want to just completely just give into it <laughs> like in a public setting um yeah so no thank you but um yeah so if you're interested uh in now hooters is not one of our sponsors actually but if you are interested not
1: yet not yet that's true we did sell it pretty well i think we got to head back to uh, nixon missouri talk to that buxom lady see if she's still there yeah. Oh boy, that was 15 years ago uh, or maybe 16. I bet she's still beautiful.
0: Oh, no question about it, but there's no question that within six months they rolled that over.
1: Oh, sure. um, I see what you mean.
0: So, uh, so yeah, if you're in Denver, email me Tyler battleship Um, again, if there's even just two people who would be interested in meeting up, I would love to do that because I enjoy talking to uh, our listeners. So, um, and then lastly, something that we have not said, but we, we've been meaning to is, uh, there have been a number of unexpected expenses. Uh, we had to replace our laptop. We are getting to the point where we might need to replace our uh, soundboard. Yep. Um. And so, you know, we've been we've been making some money through sponsorships and through the premium episodes, and that's great. But
1: a la- an entire laptop and a soundboard that adds up and so and we also want to um we want to try to attend Sundance for the first time yes this there's year. that too so if we want to if you're dying to hear what what Tyler and David think of you know short term 13 or whatever oh uh whatever movie uh that comes out of Sundance that I'll probably mock um you're not really uh, selling it great no, I, I think some of our listeners like hearing me mock, uh, Fair enough. superficial, <laughs> slick, safe, faux indies, indies for your parents. That's what those uh, are, right?
0: we go. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so uh, I will say that if, it would be really great if, uh, if you haven't purchased any of our premium episodes or our commentaries or anything like that, uh, those are always available. Um, you know, we, we always offer donations, but at the same time, we also offer something so that you can, you can give us money and you get something in return. So um, you can find all that stuff on the side of the, uh, the main page uh, at battleshipretention.com, and uh, anything that you could uh, do would be great, um, and we will get those to you know anything you order, we will get to you within 24 hours. So all, all right. right. Well, uh, who's, uh, who's paying for this thing? This da- well, David, here's the thing. I wanted to talk about a film called. Now I got to make sure I got this uh, this name right. Okay, Straight Out of Compton. That's the Com- Compton. What? J U N U N. I believe it's Junoon. Okay. All right. It's directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, and will be showing at the right. New York Film Festival on October eighth. The following day, it will. I ha- imagine it'll be in theaters nationwide. The following David, day. just. Shut up a minute and let me talk, <laughs> all right? I'll tell you where it's going to be. It will have its exclusive worldwide premiere on Mubi, which is our sponsor. Very exciting. Uh, so that will be out uh, on October 9th, so be on the lookout for that. In the meantime... You can watch movies like Cut Out the Eyes, The Dossier, The River of Life, and many other films made available as a function of the Cinema on the Edge film series. Uh, For those that don't know, MUBI is a streaming service that brings you a new movie every day, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $4.99 a month. But for listeners of Battleship Pretension, we've got a deal for you. You can try movie free for a month just by going to Mubi.com slash Battleship and you can get your first month for free. All right. This episode is also brought to you. Here we go. By Ryan Barrett, CPA. badass, The official financial consultant to of the Battleship Potential. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, potato, potato, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, So as of the night of recording, there are only 213 days left until tax day. You've got, so you've got a little time, you got a little cushion there, but it always helps to have an expert on your side. Ryan has 12 years of accounting experience though. Based in Denver, he, uh, Hey, Denver, Ryan, we're one down. Come out to Hooters. (sighs) (laughs) I predict my comfort level is, will be about the same if I were to go, 15 years later i'd be like he's like oh um nah, i'm sorry uh, i i have i have no business to 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 give you um what so bennegan's bennegan's is fun although i can't help but associate with butters <laughs> right. as his yeah. favorite restaurant um yeah. i can't help but try to say it like he says like bennegan's <laughs> um so, though based in Denver, Ryan Barrett, CPA, has experience working with clients in all 50 states and, and can help with the tax needs of both individuals and small businesses. Ryan can be contacted at Ryan Barrett CPA, that's B-A-R-R-E-T-T, uh, CPA, or by clicking on the ad at BattleshipPretension.com. Once again, Ryan Barrett, CPA, the official financial consultant of Battleship Pretension.
1: All right. Hey, let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. Uh, this is a topic that was, I guess, suggested by a listener. Yeah, I um, feel like
0: it's... I feel like over the years it's been suggested by maybe a couple of listeners.
1: Yeah, and I know we've talked about it before. Um, but you know what? <laughs> I'm going to put a pin in this because we've got we got presents. <laughs> oh, that's right, Which, yes. You got something fun, and this person's going to have to speak up. I got something fun and mysterious, baffling, baffling. Mysterious, because there's
0: no... Uh, so, turn address. Yeah, so I got an envelope that contained an old VHS, um, and it is a VHS of Dracula starring Frank Langella, which I've never seen, and I will continue to not see because I do not have a way to watch this. <laughs> but thank you anyway; I appreciate it. Um, and then I was also given, and I'm curious whether I should open these or not. I feel like I shouldn't on principle or maybe I've got two of them so maybe I open one but I got two packs of Topps Stadium Club Batman Returns cards which by the way I did collect at the yeah. time you probably had them so but do you, you think there's, do you you think there's get gum in
1: yeah you gotta get into that gum I'm opening one
0: of I'm these I'm opening one of them <laughs> oh, and this, this is gonna is be so one fun. of the worst experiences <laughs> this is of my so, life you're not actually exactly. gonna eat the
1: gum are you? obviously I will oh my um, you the picky is there eater. gum in this? it's Topps so I feel like there is Maybe they had discontinued it.
0: I guess. I guess so. Maybe yeah. it just dissolved over the years. Yeah, no gum. So, you got yeah. any fun cards?
1: So, Michelle oh, Pfeiffer, oh my gosh. These are bringing back memories. Oh, these are exciting. Okay, well, this is not fun for the listeners. Yeah, yeah. You just so as I'm through.
0: sorting through these, there's uh, there's shots of Gotham City. There's uh, character cards like there's a Selena Kyle. There's some behind the scenes shots like here's uh, Danny DeVito being directed by Tim Burton. So uh, all of this is remarkably strange, and I don't <laughs> know who sent it to me. If you could let me know, that would be great, and I will be able to sleep better. So <laughs> thank you for that. I do appreciate uh, it.
1: We also got a postcard from Missouri. Missouri is it St. Louis? Um sorry, campus? that's probably a little one note. Um I don't think I get it.
0: You just your whole St. Louis thing.
1: My whole by that you mean my whole being from St. Louis and being I'm just proud of constantly that?
0: Constantly talking about it. Okay.
1: Um St. Louis is on here, but it's a it's a it's a map on the front of the state of Missouri with some mm. of the bigger uh, cities like Kansas City, Jefferson City, St. Louis, Springfield, Branson, Joplin, West Plains. Everyone knows beautiful West Plains. Mother, Absolutely, uh, Maryville, Poplar um, Bluff. Poplar Bluff is right there, and it's so his birthplace of Mark Twain. Hannibal. That's right. So it says Hannibal. There's a picture of Mark Twain, and our clever uh, little listener has written in looks nothing like Mads Mickelson <laughs> which is funny. This is from Peter. Now, uh, right off the bat, you're going to take issue with this. Oh, jeez. No, because he's he's just mistaken about something. Sort of, he says, "Gentlemen, I was in your neck of the woods over the holiday weekend, meaning Missouri." No, I'm I'm fine with that. I have lived there for three. I lived there for three years. And you are 33 years I'm old. I'm 33. So you lived there for one eleventh of your life. Indeed. Uh, so. It's hardly my neck of the woods, though yes. my mom does still live there. Okay. Uh, visiting my in-laws, my wife grew up on a farm in Owensville about 90 miles southwest of St. Louis. Your home state of Missouri, again, my home state of Missouri, I was a Californian by, Californian by birth, is a lovely green contrast from California, where our friend Peter is from. Uh, Wait, Peter's from here? Yep, he's from very near us, actually. I've been Peter. a VP fan for years, just wanted to say, keep up the funny, insightful work, guys. Thanks, Peter. Um, I, we really appreciate it. Uh, but Tyler I would like you to know that he's from California.
0: That's true. <laughs> where all three of us live, within apparently a five-minute drive of each other.
1: Uh, yeah, let's, let's all uh, hang out, Peter. Yeah, you could. Yeah, I, I wish there were
0: like you and I've not really done a meetup in our actual city.
1: You realize yeah, that? I guess there'd be a lot. Of, I mean, I guess we used to do the live shows that that counts. Yeah. Um. So let's get back into it now. Indeed. The thing we wanted to talk about, and the the temporary title that I'm going with here. Is ambitious failures? Yeah, yeah. Movies that we don't like, but that we respect the effort. Yeah, or we should
0: specify that failure may not necessarily mean financial. We mean, like, right?
1: Yes, yeah, so yeah, we do mean artistic failures. Yeah, um, but in, in a lot of cases, there's uh, it's probably some, some overlap. Yeah, um, and now the first thing I had, the first thing I wanted to write down for this. Um, I immediately realized, well, there's a lot of people who might not agree with me because this movie has... I know there will um, be people that don't agree with me. But uh, the, this movie has been sort of reclaimed. There are a lot of people who have revisited this movie and now say it's quite good. Okay. Um, I'm thinking specifically of Heaven's Gate. Okay, I assume that's where you're headed. Um, Which I do think has... Sections in it's four hour. Uh, I mean, I've seen the director's yeah. cut, so like it's four hour runtime. There are sections of the movie that are fantastic. Now it has gotten a Criterion release, right? Yes. So like yes. clearly somebody somewhere thinks that there is something there. Uh, yeah, I mean, worth there's plenty exploring. of movies. Criterion's released plenty of movies. I don't. Like. You don't. Yeah. You know. You don't have to like all the Criterion movies. That's not. That's you know, not I, one of the Criterion. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess what I mean is that like so many people approached just
0: for so long just viewed heaven's gate as such a financial and artistic flop and literally just something that everyone should be ashamed of themselves for being a part of. But as time has gone on, like you said, it has been sort of reclaimed to the extent that even criterion
1: has said, right, this is worth revisiting. Yeah. And it is definitely a movie worth seeing if you haven't seen it. Um, as is the deer hunter, which I uh, know a lot of people would disagree with me, but I would kind of put on this list too because I'm not a big fan of the deer hunter, but I do have a respect for its, uh, for its scope. And, um, not only, and not only its scope, but the type of scope that I'm talking about, because it's yeah. actually not like, it's not like Dr. Zhivago in scope. Right. It's not an epic, yeah. but it takes what are essentially fairly small or ordinary ish lives and treats them, especially in that opening wedding sequence, which I actually really love, um, uh, which Heaven's Gate also has its own version with an opening graduation sequence Mm -hmm. um, that also goes on way longer than you'd think it would. Um, I really like these things about the, the movie, but I also think that they both come up no, you know, ironically, they come up short because they're both way too long. Yeah. Uh, and I don't just mean that runtime. I mean, that um, Michael Tomino just couldn't stop indulging himself with these movies. And yeah. there's I know I've talked about this before because uh, it's one of my favorite lines in all of movies, uh, I guess, it originated in the stage play. But in the movie Six Degrees of Separation, mm-hmm. which is a movie I love, directed by Fred Scappisi, I think um, Donald Sutherland is talking to in a flashback, talking to his kids, like first grade teacher and talking about how in their art projects, he's, he's an art collector and art dealer. And Mm -hmm. he's talking about, these are all so good. Like, how do you, how are you teaching all these little Picassos or whatever? How are you making them? And she's, and she's like, I'm not teaching them anything. I just know when to take the art away. Yeah. (laughs) And I feel like there was like, Michael Cimino was the sort of represented the downside of the seventies, new Hollywood in that people were like, this is what these kids want to make. This is what people seem to want to see. Let's let them do whatever they want. And they, and he ended up making what probably could have been good movies that get watered down by just there being too much of them.
0: Yeah. I remember years ago, uh, Elwood was on this podcast and he was talking about the natural, and he said that, uh, you know, one of the most iconic aspects of the film is the ending and just this amazing home run. And it's the, like the biggest home run in the history of anything, um, including ideas. Um, <laughs> but he said that, you know, he grew, he grew up loving that movie and really resonating with it it really made him feel certain things. And, but then he, he said that he had found out as he got older that the, that, uh, that the director actually wanted it to be like a strikeout, you know? Uh And he had this moment where he's like, it was like the, he said, he remembered it was like the first time he'd ever had this thought, which is maybe the studio was right, (laughs) (laughs) you know, which is such a rare thing, you know, to think. Um, And of course in the, uh, in the movie journal this week, we talked about the Magnificent Ambersons, which is usually the thing I point to when I talk about the, the inherent evil of studios. Um, but an argument can be made, I think a lot, uh, as I was writing uh, my, my list here, and I'm sure it's remarkably limited, um, a common denominator actually has to do with filmmakers given so much leeway, in fact, probably total control. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing. I think that's that might be for me almost a prerequisite in an ambitious failure which is to say movies that don't really work but you and I still have an admiration for it because what's at the core of it it is a filmmaker really willing to explore the space so to speak to the point that he probably doesn't even know when to stop and it's like well that's an instinct I will always like even if it doesn't turn out well right so I will always have a certain degree of respect for these movies, even if I may not actually like them.
1: Well, one that came when I was looking at other people's lists for this sort of thing online Mm. as research, one that I wasn't surprised to see on a ton of lists, even though I disagree, is Cloud Atlas. Because I actually do think that's a really, I think that is a successful movie. But I also fully understand why some people don't. Sure, and still respect how uh, how go for broke it is.
0: Yeah, I feel like Cloud Atlas. It succeeds on so many levels Mm -hmm. um, that I don't know. It's like it's so big, and it's and it's unrepentantly big. You know, it just there's a certain exhilaration that you can tell that they felt in 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 how they were making this movie, and to me, it feels like. so I kind of counted it as a success, but I know plenty
1: yeah. of people that don't. And also because it's not just that it's big, but it's also it's weird, like that. It's these six different stories that like are so wildly uh, yeah. disparate. But they're the the directors, the Wachowskis and Tom Tickler. Um, tre- they treat the movie as if it hasn't occurred to them that it might be weird. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, they're completely sincere and earnest and yeah. it's just like
0: it's 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 a very and maybe this is a problem p- people have with it. It's very it's it's unself-conscious. Like they're just it's it's weird to be describing Cloud Atlas this way. It's surprisingly straightforward at least in its tone. Right, yeah. Um and I feel like other filmmakers would at least have somebody say like this is a little weird or something like that. I don't know how they would do it either in tone or actually have a character, almost a Han Solo character say, this is ridiculous. Uh Um, But no, they just, they just completely went for it. And uh, I will actually now use the opportunity to talk about my Wachowski sibling film on here, which is Jupiter Ascending. Oh, which which I never saw. I do not like it. It is not very good. Uh, I believe when I talked about it, um, I basically just talked about what a misfire it is, but I do respect And I don't know, it didn't do well, it was a bomb, like I'm sure they put a lot of money into it, and I think they had total creative control. Um, And I can see what they're trying to do, and I respect what they're trying to do. They're trying to, you know, so often, and I think you and I are not necessarily on board with this, but so often film nerds talk about, you know, they kind of they sort of make an idol out of the concept of original content. Uh, especially if it's like some, any kind of blockbuster. Oh, right. Um, and it's like, yeah, but just cause it's original doesn't mean it's going to be good. Right. Uh, See Pacific rim, for example, uh, or Jupiter ascending. <laughs> um, but I appreciate that they decided they were going to try and go out on their own. I mean, the last time they decided they wanted to do something like original, they made the matrix and that's, that turned out pretty well. Yeah. Um, whereas this like it is it's clear they're trying to they set themselves up for like a possible sequel they created a universe that can be expanded upon it is it does feel like they're trying to make kind of their own star wars and they're trying to capture the imagination of people the imagination of i would say younger people as well i think if i was if i was 13 years old or 12 years old i think i would probably watch the movie and maybe even maybe like it i'm not sure though um and so and again there's the there's the the excitement and the vitality that I think they bring to every project what, misguided or not um because I think they're just so happy to be making a movie and so though Jupiter ascending is very low on my list uh of you know movies of the year um I still, I see what they're trying to do. I respect what they're trying to do. And I even kind of respect the way in which they did it. I just think that it wound up just not being very good. And I think it wound up being kind of, kind of half baked as far as the script. But again, I I do appreciate what they're trying to do. Uh,
1: You may have seen me uh, hurry to write something down. You made me think of something when you said a kid, like it appealing to a kid. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and it reminded me of a movie that everyone thinks of as terrible. Okay. That I loved when I was young. Okay. And that's Hudson Hawk. <laughs> now, I haven't seen it in a long time. I understand that it doesn't hold up, as or doesn't. it's not as good as my, like, yeah. 11-year-old brain thought it was. Yeah. Um, but I do still think that uh, it is worthy of some respect, because it's not, like, you know, it's not a bad movie the way that, like, you know, Roland Emmerich's Godzilla. It is. That's always yeah. one of my like whipping boys, that movie. Like, sure. Because it's just like here, right. This is, it's got all the stuff that you want. Yeah. There. Like, hey, do you remember uh, Jurassic yeah. park? I want to just see it again. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it, there's a laziness to it. Uh, Hudson Hawk. doesn't, it, it's not like other movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, in, uh, except for in the ways that it, that it is, that it, uh, is an intentional sort of, um, Uh, play or you know uh, irreverent homage to uh, everything from spy movies to like Hitchcockian sort of like wrong man type thrillers Mm -hmm. to uh, you know with the nods to like alchemy and Leonardo da Vinci and uh, you know crazy ass performances by Sandra Bernhardt and Richard Grant as the bad guys. Uh, (laughs) I'm like talking myself back into just loving this movie so much. Um,
0: (laughs) Unbridled success. That's what this movie was.
1: I I mean, it's intensely convoluted with a very corny sense of humor and also mixed with the corny, goofy sense of humor. Mm -hmm. It's violent. Like people are constantly getting killed in it. Okay. It's such a weird, weirdly toned film um that i don't, i would have to go back i understand that it's probably not entirely successful but i do have some respect for uh how uh you know left of center hudson hawk can be
0: i will actually use this as a transition into one of mine and this is a movie that you and i actually both like but i think if i'm speaking objectively i can say that it's an odd film and kind of a misfire in some ways but I respect what Tim Burton was doing with Mars attacks okay um, now I haven't seen that since the theater, I think oh okay, so right. yeah. you might not like it as much as you did at the time, really? but i okay. I still like it, but I recognize that it is a flawed film, but I also recognize what he was trying to do with it, which is so on um on more than one lesson, this episode isn't going to go up until November, but uh but Josh and I were talking okay. about um, the best picture nominees of 1974. And I believe one of them is the towering Inferno.
1: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> and then there are the airport movies and, uh, you know, just these disaster films, this, these big cast disaster films. And if you want to look at Mars attacks like that, it makes a lot of sense. And it came right after independence day. So it was just kind of his, and those movies tend to take themselves pretty seriously. Um, and I think that's what he was trying to do. He was trying to sort of use this old, you know, baseball card series, you know, this old, I believe, a tops series, yeah. Um, and use that, which probably influenced some of how he thinks about art in general, um, use that to sort of poke fun at this sort of Hollywood staple of the big ensemble cast. Disaster or action or sci-fi or whatever you want it to be, and is doing that, but just regularly. And so there's a lot of death, a lot of destruction. Yeah, you know, and you get it's like it's like Jack Nicholson in two roles, <laughs> and he dies in both. Um, you know, uh, but then you also uh, have like, you know, when you think of the excitement of in independence day when they finally figure out how to bring these ships down. Now let's contrast that (laughs) with how the aliens are brought down in Mars attacks, which is to hear slim Whitman, you know, (laughs) like it's ridiculous. Um, and again, like I think, you know, you see the aliens heads explode and it's funny at first, but then just keeps happening. So I feel like there is something of an overkill aspect to it, but, I do respect and admire what he was trying to do. And I'm sure at the time, like Tim Burton, like he was allowed to do whatever he wanted to do and he
1: wanted to make this movie. Yeah. So more power to him. Um, so I'm trying to find a transition into something that I wanted to bring up because you talked about, uh, you're talking about like Tim Burton being allowed to do whatever he wants to do. And you said that was a common theme, but I also have one on here that, um, is almost the opposite. And it's uh, like, it sort of reminds me of, like I didn't see the Josh Tranks fantastic four. Oh, that's on here. Um, but yeah, he was within the confines of not having a lot of freedom. Yeah. Trying to do something different than you'd expect. Yes. And let me think of another movie that is, about a hundred minutes long. You and I've talked about it a lot okay. for 60 of those hundred minutes. It's maybe a masterpiece and then it completely falls apart. Uh, and <laughs> that's, um, I am legend. Uh, Oh sure. Directed by, uh, what's his name? Who does the hungry? Francis games? Lawrence. Francis Lawrence. Um, I kept wanting to say Lawrence Fishburne. That's, I knew that wasn't it. That's all right. Uh-huh. I, I said, I just said slim Whitman and almost said Whit Stillman. That's usually <laughs> yeah. how that works. Two different people. Um, the like the things that happened in that first hour of I Am Legend and the way the story is allowed to unfold and the and the way that it's allowed to be just one human yeah. uh, I guess there are a couple of flashbacks, teases of, you know, uh, what happened. Yeah. Um is so ambitious and gets really dark, not only in what happens, um I mean, there's, there's something that happens in that movie that I always, I always want to spoil for people just to warn the people who would be upset by it. Mm. Um, but, uh, I don't want I don't like to spoil movies like that. Yeah. Um, but not only in what happens, but just the, the darkness and the sadness of this guy's life, you know, yeah. of his survival and his being alone and that he's still motivated, by something that becomes even more tragic once those flashbacks tease yeah. out uh it's an amazing amazing hour of of a movie with and maybe then a, the best acting that will smith has ever done and a, i don't among, say that lightly yeah yeah because i like him uh and then some other people show up and it's not it's not there it's not the actor's fault it's just the screenplay it just seems like It's almost like, you know, we like to paint the studio with the broad brush. I'm going to do the same thing here. They're evil. It's like they stepped in. They're like, okay, you've had your fun with our money. Yes. Now we're going to have this Hollywood ending where this, you know, sad scientist guy we've been watching for an hour is going to run around shooting machine guns yeah. and it's just going to turn stupid. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's a, it's, a real it's
0: almost like their backward. they their they uh, backs were turned for a while yeah. and then they turn on like, what are you doing <laughs> yeah. with our big Hollywood uh, zombie movie starring Will Smith?
1: Yeah. 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 It's, it's but if, yeah. If you haven't seen it, watch the first hour of I am Legend. I mean, I guess you yeah. watch the whole thing just to see how, it turns out. Um, but yeah, it really is a fantastic movie. I, I really enjoy watching yeah, that first hour. Well, and that's, and that I
0: did put fantastic four on here because you can see, because even, even if Josh Trank was allowed to do everything he wanted to do, I still think it wouldn't have been a great movie, but it would have been an interesting one. He was doing interesting things. I think the, the, and everybody has said this, that, you know, that the best part of it is when these characters uh, are coming to grips with what their powers are but they're not thinking them of them as powers yet it's hey i used to be a human but now i'm a big rock monster <laughs> or hey i'm always on fire like it's just it's very strange stuff and i think he wisely like he did with chronicle i think he wanted to get to the bottom of like what would it be like to suddenly be a different thing like spider-man he's stronger he's more agile he's by all accounts better Mm -hmm. the fantastic four as much as uh, they have these amazing abilities now but they're not necessarily better they're different and in some cases they're not even you know in the case of the thing he's called the thing yeah you know like he's not even a human Uh, Anymore, He's humanoid, and that's about as far as you can go. And so, like, Josh Trank really trying to explore that. It's like, I would have loved to see what would have happened. I would love to see his finished film because I still think the pacing is off. I still think it's not written very well. I still think there's some odd character beats. But I respect what he was trying to do, which is sort of deconstruct aspects of the superhero origin story and then... And then there's a moment, it is astounding. It's like, there comes a moment when it says one year later. And what happened in that year is the studio took over (laughs) and made a completely different film. And, uh, and so fantastic four is such a a fascinating disaster. Um, but I do respect it. I I respect in the same way as like, uh, as I am legend, you can see what he's going for in the first hour. And while it, well what he's going for is not nearly as good as what i legend was um i respect it a lot and so it is he's being ambitious and but it still is a failure for a number of reasons and i and i feel like even if he was allowed to do what he was going to do it still might have been a failure uh but it would have been an interesting one
1: um this is, getting, this is like an old-school Battleship Retention episode where we're just like going I know, back, and, back forth, and forth, naming, naming movies. The old it, n- that's fun, right? I guess so. Okay, Do I hope, people like that? let see if the listener's All like right. it. Um, I, uh, this is the third thing I wrote down, so clearly it was high in my uh, uh, at the top of my mind on this, and I want to talk about it because I don't think you feel the same way. Or I'm okay. not sure. Uh, let's talk about Lady in the Water. It's on my list. Okay. Cause we, uh, in the, in the movie journal this week, we talked about the visit. I haven't seen it, but you, uh, enjoyed the visit, mm-hmm. uh, called it a return to form, uh, in, in some ways for M night Shyamalan, um, lady in the water. There's, there's a, apart from the tone of the movie, which I do, uh, find interesting. There's a sadness to that movie to me because I can almost feel M. Night Shyamalan in a, like there's almost like an innocence to the movie where he's like, he's like, he's showing you something that he really truly thinks is beautiful. Yeah. And people are mocking it and people don't get it. People don't get why he feels so strongly about this thing. And I find that uh, very sad because I really think there's a lot of him in this movie and sometimes it comes out in, in bad ways. Um, but, uh, in other ways, it's this, uh, it's almost like a, uh, a look inside the both the mechanics and the power of storytelling. Sure. Uh, and I understand why that's so, why that would be so near and dear to a guy who tells the kind of stories and is interested in, again, the mechanics and power of storytelling as M night Shyamalan is. And so, uh, I, uh, I do, I, 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 I don't think the movie entirely works. Um, I think it's a fascinating, uh, piece of cinema <laughs> history, but I do, there is this whole other element, uh, a whole other tragic element, uh, to it in that I don't think M. that was trying to make something weird, even though the result is a weird movie. Um, he's trying to show us something that is very important to him. It is almost like unbridled imagination, mm-hmm.
0: which is just letting it go, uh, almost like the imagination of a child, you know, um, letting it go and just putting it, putting on film wherever your imagination happened to go, which is not going to make for the most satisfying structure Um but no, it's on my list here as well for a lot of the same reason as Jupiter Ascending, which is he's trying to do something kind of special. He's trying to capture a, t- a certain tone, a certain type of imagination, a certain maybe even a certain time in not only his life, but maybe everybody's life when the sky was the limit and stories didn't have to have structure. It was just, here's a new development and just like the way you would play with your friends. Here's a new development and let's just go with it. Um, and... It doesn't always work. It's it's certainly it it seems very half baked. I do think there's a great deal of ugliness there in how he deals with the critic, because I feel like that's the adult coming in. That is not sure. That is not the childlike innocence and fun. Right. That is him being like anticipating that people aren't going to like what he is doing and uh, responding to people not liking what he had done previously. And so I feel like that bothers me. So it doesn't work on a lot of levels, but I still do respect it. And I still do. Um, I remember like seeing the posters and seeing like, you know, the, the, the wet footprints, uh, Mm -hmm. and just being like, that seems fun. It seems like a, but more than fun, it seems like there's a, a wondrous quality to it that I was, that I was hoping he would capture and he did not, uh, or at least not to the point that I found satisfying. Right. Um, I see But yeah, so, uh, we can move on. Uh, do you want me to go next? If you want, I mean, I've got more to talk about. Uh, About Lady in the Water? No, no, just more movies. Um, so I will, I do want to bring up a few that I genuinely do not like. Okay. Um, I don't know if I have anything like that on here. I have, yeah, I do. Um, don't you worry. The first is the Hobbit trilogy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, And this is a prime example of a filmmaker who needed to be limited and nobody limited him, uh, least of all himself. And, but I can see what he is doing and I understand the instinct, which is he wanted to explore this world as much as he possibly could with the knowing full well that like the Hobbit is going to be my last choice, my, my last chance to explore middle earth, even though, Tokyo himself explored middle earth a lot, but in things that don't necessarily lend themselves to being in film. So, so, uh, Peter Jackson said, all right, I'm going to try and incorporate that in the, into this, even though it does not fit, it does not work. It slows things down. And often as he is, as he's in, you know, incorporating aspects of like Sauron and stuff like that, it's like, well, now what you're doing is you're lowering the stakes of the story. You're ostensibly telling, um, and so I don't think the trilogy works. I think it's, it, it's very frustrating. There are occasional flashes of like what it could be. Um, but I, I can see, I can see where, it, where it comes from and why he wanted to do it. I can certainly see why the studio wanted it to be three films, but I yeah. can see why he really wanted to, that he just really wanted to spend more time in this world.
1: I think you're giving him more credit than I would. Um, okay. cause I think, uh, Part of this, the, the 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 title we came up with here, "Ambitious Failures." I don't think that I see that much ambition in the Hobbit. It seems hmm. like uh, he's fa- in a way falling back on uh, somewhere where he's comfortable and not even doing it with his whole heart the way he did with the first, uh, trilogy. That's, that's, that's what I, that's the impression I get when I watch those movies with a couple, like you said, the couple, there's, there's like one sequence in each movie. Yeah. Right. Uh, although now I'm trying to think what the one in the third movie, I was can't gonna think be. Of one. <laughs> um, but in the first movie, it's the sequence with, uh, uh, Gollum mm-hmm. and in the second movie, it's the sequence with the talking dragon. Yeah. um, so let me th- let me suggest this that
0: because I, I see where you're coming from and I feel like maybe the initial choice is not
1: ambitious, but within that the okay. way he made it I think is ambitious. Um, to to turn that coin around, okay. I'll talk about something that might not fit the list because I'm not sure it can be considered a failure.
0: Okay.
1: It's sort of like uh, I'll let you know. Um, I've said no. The movie, th- this isn't uh, the example, but to compare it to something, the movie American Psycho is amazing. I love it. Sure. Uh, the book American Psycho, which I think you haven't read. I right? haven't read. And I said this before. You've had it's... me read passages from it, which uh, I'm still getting over. Okay. I'm sorry I did that. Um, <laughs> American Psycho, the book, is something that is like, I don't. I think that Brett Easton Ellis accomplished everything he set out to accomplish when yeah. he wrote that book. In that by that rubric it is a success, successful novel sure i don't really enjoy reading it uh with a couple of things that are darkly funny yeah. um uh but I, I i don't think it's a failure the movie version of that where a director made the movie that he set out to make yeah uh, i'm using he in this uh sense because the traction i is man uh but I don't know if that makes it a good movie or not, is Gus Van Sant's Psycho.
0: Damn it. I meant to put that on here. Okay. And I forgot. Uh, Thank you. Yes. (laughs) Right? Like,
1: yeah, he, you know, he set out to make this movie and he made that movie and good for him. Mission accomplished. (laughs) Like it's, but, but it's, yeah, this, uh,
0: you're right to, to, to jump on that from what I was saying about the Hobbit, which was like, The initial impulse might have been one of the most misguided (laughs) cinematic choices in history. (laughs) But once the decisions, once the wheels are in motion, it's like, all right, you did it. Congratulations. It's 100% unnecessary. Uh (laughs) Uh, But from a purely experimental standpoint, you know, Which I guess is what we can how we can approach uh, a lot of these is just a filmmaker, whether it be wanting to explore a world, whether wanting to explore his own imagination, wanting to explore what makes a, a, a great movie a great movie and see if like, will it still be great if I do the exact same thing? But like if it doesn't come from me if I'm making somebody else's choices, will it still be effective? Right. You know, like I respect that. I think that's an interesting idea. I've
1: always liked, uh, you know, Roger Ebert's, uh, uh, almost apologia for the movie is to say that Gus Van Sant remade psycho so that no one else would. Yeah. Uh, Almost like he intentionally made a subpar movie to say, see, the original's better. We don't need to do this,
0: (laughs) but how is it (laughs) subpar? That's the thing I think in casting actually. But, um, yeah. Like he made choices. And I think
1: that's. It's also in color. There's that too. Yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily the reason it's not as good, but that is something that's different.
0: Yeah. It is such an interesting experiment psycho because I do genuine, what I was talking about before is something that I've only recently started thinking about. I think probably because I rewatched psycho, which was yes, these are the absolute right choices for Alfred Hitchcock. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, you can mimic those choices, but you might not know why you're doing them. You might not have arrived at them the way he did. And I think it might show there's an artificiality to Gus Van Sant's psycho. Right. Um, yeah, because right. he's not doing what he like. I would love to see if Gus Van Sant directed Psycho the way he would want to do it. Wouldn't that be
1: amazing? Uh, it could be, or it could be one of his. Uh, I mean, that it could be Jerry. It could be Finding Forest. Yeah, he, who that knows? That guy's a, he's a coin toss. Like, he sure really is. don't. It's a gamble going to see a Gus Van Sant movie. That's true. Um, but it's sort of like it's an. I, but it's it's intentional. Like he he knows what he's doing. Yeah, it's like an experimental and self-aware version of what Zack Snyder did with 300, which is like, I'm going to adapt something and put none of myself in this. I'm going to adapt it literally as faithfully. If, if Frank Miller had made a movie instead of a comic, this is what, and, and that's why, you know, 300 ends up being so, such a piss poor movie in my opinion. I do have Watchmen on my list. Um, OK, uh, I can I can see it. Why don't you make the argument, make the case? I think the ambition, you know, you and I have talked about how like
0: when Zack Snyder is def- is uh, described as a visionary. It's usually when he's doing the ex- exact opposite of that. <laughs> right. Um, <yeah. laughs> and so I don't think he's being visionary when he decides he wants to adapt uh, Watchmen as as closely as he can. I don't think he's being visionary, but I still I do think it's ambitious. To just say, like, look, I know this isn't the standard movie structure, but I think this story is so strong and these characters are so strong. I want to see as much of them as I can. I don't want to make a lot of changes. I want to see if this works. Now, here's the thing. I I feel like even in how I just described it, I might be giving him too much credit. (laughs) Because him saying I want to see if this works implies he might have entertained the notion that it did that it couldn't, right? <laughs> and I feel like he probably, by all accounts, he's a really he's like a really nice guy. He does have a certain visual style, and there are aspects of Watchmen that I really like uh, that are at, that he that he brings to them, like the opening credits uh, or the opening montage, which I yeah. think is really solid. But, um, but yeah, I, I do wonder if he if he if he saw this as like well let's see if this works and i think this is the best way to do it as opposed to well this is obviously the only way to do it and it will work because the graphic novel worked right?" right um and so it's it's hard to say but uh if i'm giving him the benefit of the doubt then i would say it's a somewhat ambitious choice or at the very least a ballsy choice to not make uh to not say let's change this and turn it into a movie um, but instead adapt you know uh, rather adapt you know he didn't adapt a graphic novel into a movie he adapted a movie into a graphic novel which is what he did with 300 as well um right but anyway okay we can move on
1: uh, i don't have that much more um on my on my list kind of uh because i feel like we've already discussed well, we haven't discussed Once Upon a Time in America, but we've essentially already discussed it because I think it's like the Michael Cimino thing, sure. just being just way too indulgent. Uh, and it also loses the uh, I feel like some people might disagree with me, but it doesn't have any of that like uh, pulpy fun that Leone's Westerns have.
0: Yeah. And and I mean, I've, I've never responded parts of it that are good of course but like i've never responded to once upon a time in america the way apparently i'm supposed to <laughs> i i don't I, I just it's never affected me that way um, um but yeah I, I agree we can probably lump that in with some of these other things yeah
1: uh, another one i wanted to talk about uh, and i know this movie has its defenders too. uh francis ford coppola's bram stoker's dracula Uh, Uh, I was thinking of putting, I do have a Francis Ford Coppola movie on here, but it's not that one. Is it one from the heart? It is. Um, Okay. But what do you think of his Dracula? Uh,
0: I think it uh, fits in very nicely to the topic um, (laughs) because not unlike Zack Snyder, Mm -hmm. he said, all right, look, I recognize that when this book has been adapted into plays and into other movies, they've trimmed a lot of the fat because Bram Stoker himself was pretty indulgent. (laughs) Um, But I'm going to go with it. I'm going to, I'm not going to leave anything out. Um, I mean, he leaves some stuff out obviously, but just like uh, I'm going to have all the characters that are in there. Yes. Even the Bowie knife, uh, the Bowie knife uh, wielding Bill Campbell, you know, like that's a weird choice.
1: <laughs> um, I'm going to put it all in there. Um, and I'm also going to use old timey techniques. Yeah. in yeah, like, uh, I can't remember what all he did with like, but like vignetting and color yeah, yeah. tinting and all kinds of which, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so you feel and, like
0: you're watching nose Fra two at times, which I think is, and that's the thing I respect a lot of that. And there's, there's, and there's a pulpy quality to that, that I really, that I think captures the, some of Bram Stoker's, uh, tone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, what I consider it a failure. I mean, it's just, I don't know if I would actually, I think he accomplished everything he wanted to accomplish. And I think, I think by having like a re by, by focusing in on the relationship between, uh, Gary Oldman and Winona Ryder, I think he, th- I think he found a nice core there that we can still latch on to, And that is a nice bit of That, provides structure and context for almost all the other random mass shit that's happening, <laughs> um, including Anthony Hopkins, you know, huge performance. He's in a movie with vampires and he's bigger. Yeah. Like, well, it's astounding. He is Anthony Hopkins. That's
1: true. Um, do you, th- do you, what do you, what do you think of it? I don't think I enjoyed it when I saw it, but it's also been a while. I might, my, my respect for it and for the choices might go longer, go, you know, uh, a longer way, now if i okay. saw it now um i haven't seen it in a long time i feel like i'd like to see it again i
0: think i feel like you and i watched it I, when we lived together
1: in Japan. yeah i think we did okay. um and, and I, I i just felt like it's uh yeah it's 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 tricks um were distancing to me i felt like i couldn't get away i couldn't find a way into the movie because i was always so aware of the um, movie in a way i can um, definitely I, I can see that but yes. i don't know if i would feel that way now because it has been a long time yeah, I would. I could see that.
0: Yeah, I would like to. That that's one that every time I see it, like on Blu-ray for like probably five bucks. Uh-huh. Part of me is just like, I bet that's gorgeous on Blu-ray. Yeah, probably is. It's like I guess I should buy it, but I still haven't. So maybe that speaks volumes. <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay, so looking through here, I'm trying to think if there are any that jump out at me that I can talk at length about.
1: Um, well, we don't need to go too long. We yeah yeah. Uh, we, can, we can wrap
0: up soon. Okay, I uh, i haven't talked about this in years, David. Okay. Years. Grindhouse. Oh. All right. I, I never saw it. Okay, yeah, I saw it. And I wish saw it uh, the, way I, the way it was apparently meant to be seen. I saw the double feature at the... And a couple
1: of weeks ago at the cemetery, they showed that. The whole thing? Yeah. Oh, neat. And uh, it sold out really quick. I was I'm definitely sure. going to go, uh, and it, it sold right the hell out. I'm
0: surprised it doesn't I, I feel like around Halloween every year, I, I feel like some you know, whether it be CineFamily or certainly New Beverly at this point, I feel like they would play that. Like yeah. it's a it's a whole evening, you know, like and I think that's what I do I both respect and do not respect Grindhouse. Um I respect it because in the same way that Gus Van Sant wanted to kind of pay homage to Hitchcock, um Tarantino and Rodriguez decided like they wanted to pay tribute to this thing that shaped who they are as filmmakers and try to try to recreate that experience for modern moviegoers. Um and younger moviegoers who never would have experienced that and, and still and can't anymore. Um, I respect that. Like there's there's a great deal of love for film in that. But I do think that they, I, I enjoy uh, planet terror a lot more just because I don't know. It's cause it's just way more batshit crazy. Although apparently, and people have said this and I, I can see where they're coming from that actually planet terror is more of an eighties uh, horror movie mm. than an actual grindhouse movie. And I can see that now that I think about it. But, um, but the whole project it's, this may be a shitty thing to think, but part of me just thought like, If it's a function of them getting it out of their systems, great. And sure enough, Tarantino did wonderful work after that. Mm -hmm. So if he needed to get that out, great. But part of me feels like, all right, look. For the amount of money that that, that was spent on these films, you could have made a wonderful Tarantino film or a wonderful Robert Rodriguez film. Like, you could have... You could have been, you could have made one of your great films, but you chose to do this instead. Like, you have, do you know how hard it is to get a movie made and this is what you did? <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it's just, it, it's just so frustrating. It feels like they're, they're, it sort of feels like they're slumming a little bit. They're, they're doing it affectionately, but I feel like they're slumming. They're operating below their capability. Um, so that they can try to recreate something. And the other thing that gets me is like, they try to do a thing where, cause they have a, uh, they have, you know, the missing reels, like uh, a character gets a lap dance and, bef- and it, right before it happens, uh, there's like a reel missing. And then it jumps to after it's gone because a, a common thing in grindhouse theaters is the projectionist would cut out those things for himself. <laughs> uh, now here's the thing. I guarantee you that nobody going to see a Grindhouse movie uh, found that to be endearing. They were probably deeply frustrated that those things were gone. Only somebody who has moved uh, beyond Grindhouse films and looks back on this whole experience uh, affectionately, only they would ever find charm in that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know, I do. Like, like there's, a, there's a. I'm just really enjoying your passion about this. There, I haven't talked about it in a lot <laughs> of years. This is great. Um, and so, it, there is an element of slumming and like going back to the old neighborhood and hanging out in all the places. Like, yeah, but the people who will still live there, they, they might not enjoy your little attitude about this. Uh, you were able to get out, you were able to uh, extract something from the grindhouse experience that other people didn't and good for you but what you were able to extract was the ability to make great movies so go fucking make them <laughs> you know what i mean like you're trying to create this experience and by doing so you're creating a bunch of you're you're enabling a lot of hipsters to look back on a thing that was nothing but limitations and you were able to see what the potential was and good for you but I don't know, It, it the, slumming is the only way I can I can think of it, where you can go to a shitty neighborhood and think, oh, this is so quaint. Yeah, but some people actually live there, and yeah. if you have the ability, in true goodwill hunting style, if you have the ability to get out of here, why aren't you? Why are you spending time doing this? You know, it's it's a, it's a thing that just uh, still obviously still bothers me did not th- well, but i still yeah. but i still respect their love of that thing that shaped who they are um that's the last one i'm going to talk in depth about i wanted to rattle off a few okay rattle off a few okay uh let's see here uh the cobbler which okay. i talked about uh it's such a weird it's such a weird series of choices but i feel like tom mccarthy felt passionately about it and wanted to make his own strange type of superhero origin story um it, it's a huge misfire but it's such an odd project that i kind of respect his his willingness to do it popeye uh robert altman's film such a that's an, uh, an incredibly odd choice and i don't think it works a lot of the time but i do respect not unlike when warren Beatty would make dick tracy i do respect robert allman of all people who makes who up until that point like made movies that that had a naturalism to them he chooses to make something like popeye and embrace the silliness of it and the the art direction of it and stuff like that um monuments men really not a good movie no visually gorgeous i thought it was shot very very well um and I can bowl and I can respect and not respect what George Clooney was trying to do, because I think he is the message there is that while we may not immediately think of it, art is important. And it does shape what our culture is. And that's a message that I respect him wanting to get out. Now, the way he hits it, the way he constantly hits it, it feels less like he's trying to get a message across and more like he's trying to vindicate and justify his own choices in (laughs) life as if to say, yes, yes, I recognize I'm not a cop or anything, but what I do is important too, guys. Uh, it feels like that. That's like, he's hitting it so hard that there's an air of desperation to it. um, and then let's see, I already, I mentioned one from the heart. I won't go into it cause I still, I actually see it as kind of successful. Yeah. I like that movie. So, um, so I think I'll probably, uh, okay. I think I'll probably leave it at that.
1: I only have a couple of one I mentioned. Um, as much as it grosses me, out to say it, Vincent Gallo's the brown bunny. Oh, okay. Um, the movie's hot. <laughs> it's not, it's very much not. No, oh,
0: it succeeded um, in so many things for me.
1: Uh, and then, uh, A movie that I used to defend for a while, and have come to realize, like, no, it's not that good, but there are things I like about it, and that's Mystery Men. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And then I want to end by defending a movie that I think is great, but I think ends up on lists like this. Okay. Because some people don't appreciate it, which is Steven Spielberg's A.I., i think I that's did a think
0: fantastic of, movie i thought of putting it on my list but i was like i can't because i think it's
1: a success yeah it is a successful movie but it it ends up on this list because um it is uh sometimes i feel like i overuse the word weird but um it's a quality um because sometimes weird is just used as like uh i don't get it yeah anything, but i don't mean it like yeah. that like uh i i mean weird as in like fundamentally differing from the norm um and there is a there's a deep weirdness i think to ai and also a very challenging ending yeah um there was an and that's what people usually don't like about it but that's what i like about it yeah well it's one of the many things i like about it yeah um there was i want to say it was the av club did an uh, essay months ago about um that like basically like people don't like like ai because it doesn't give them the ending they want but it gives them the ending that's right for the story oh absolutely um so yeah i wanted to end with a defensive ai and i really want to watch ai again (laughs) and i will say that uh so there's a guy named uh, i think his name's doug walker
0: he's the nostalgia critic he's out of uh, chicago he's a video guy Uh, i don't often agree with what he has to say i do find him kind of entertaining but he did do Uh, a a video review slash essay, whatever you want to call it, retrospective about AI. And in doing so, he's talking about the film, but he's also talking about his emotional reaction to it as a film nerd. And I think it's the best work he's ever done. And it really gets to the, gets to what a lot of film nerds don't like about it. And he addresses it head on, like, which is basically like, why couldn't this have been more Kubrick? And then he digs into exactly what Kubrick wanted for the, project and it's not far off mm-hmm. uh so it's 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 a really i i would encourage people to seek that out it's a really good bit of work
1: okay um real quick uh have i ever talked about com? nope com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of styles and colors uh and whether you're trying to look cool walking to uh you know taking the train to work in your snazzy suit or if you want to look cool working out yeah Either way, you go to tweakedaudio.com. Also your snazzy suit. Yeah, that's what you work out in. Because uh, they do have an athletic line called HeGon. Uh, check out all the earbuds uh, and watches and stuff. They got other stuff, too. Indeed. but uh, It's mostly about earbuds at tweakedaudio.com. And uh, I mentioned the low, low price. Or maybe I didn't. I usually do it by this point. Um, but uh, in addition to that, if you use the offer code pretension, you will get one third off uh, at checkout and no shipping charges. So make sure to go to tweaked and use offer code pretension so uh you can find us at battleship uh you can uh that's where all the movie reviews and links to the podcast uh all our podcasts are um you can let's see you can email us at tyler at battleship com or david battleship com. you can follow tyler on twitter at tyler Pretension. uh now you have two other podcasts i do um one of them is about survivor one of them is not why don't you tell us what's going on over there? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yes, the one on Survivor is called Worth Playing For. You can find
0: that at Um The other one is More Than One Lesson. Uh, and this week, oh yes, this week we are talking, finally, we've been putting this off for like six months, um, we're finally talking about Whiplash, with the companion film, The Paper Chase. Uh, but then we are moving into October, which of course means we're moving into Halloween times. Yeah. Where we are only talking about... Uh, we're not doing any minisodes. We're doing full episodes about... I, bel- I This isn't the right order, but we're talking about It Follows. The Babadook. Rosemary's Baby. The Gift. And The Nightmare. So... Lots of fun.
1: Should be a fun, scary month. Absolutely. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Everybody loves October. It's a good month. Uh, My other podcast is about television. It's called Hey, Watch This with Paul and David is the full name, I guess. I never say it, but that's the full name. Mm -hmm. Um, And this week, uh, it's fall premiere premiere slash returning uh, season premiere week so we'll be talking about how to get away with murder season two premiere which i'm very excited about and we'll also be talking about heroes reborn because paul apparently thinks it's funny to make me watch two hour premieres of stuff i had no intention of watching here's a fun fact david uh-huh you didn't listen to my episode no, where
0: I, I where i subbed in for you uh so the person who answered the trivia question, I believe, in the previous okay. uh, previous episode, um, Micah Bennett, who I believe is one of our listeners uh, out of New Zealand. Hi, Micah. Um, what was that? I said, hi, Micah. Hello, Micah. Um, I believe he said, don't send me a prize. The prize I want, I want you to choose an episode of television to talk about that, David will absolutely hate. <laughs> and I believe Paul has. I didn't think about it until just now, and okay. I think Paul has done the job.
1: Okay, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, there are there are probably some other things he maybe could have could have picked. Yeah, but Paul um, quotes you all the time when he talks about not
0: wanting to get heroes again. Yeah. so he knows. He, he knows, knows how much he heroes like is.
1: Yeah, that's tough for me. And it's a two hour premiere. That's rough oof so that's what we'll be talking about over there i'll try to not be biased and i'll if it's good i'll say it's good sure um anyway you can find the battleship com. that's where you can find us uh oh yeah i forgot to say i'm on twitter at davy pretension so that's it um thanks for listening we'll catch you next time bye bye